0: Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to Island B Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry to find out how they're succeeding. Today on the show, I have Devin Melanson. He took our 10 Steps to 10 Million program and we coached him on building a referral-based business. We no longer run this program, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. I got licensed in May of 2020, only did $1 million that first year had lots of learning to do. Last year, he funded $5.5 and, and is already on track to double that this year. A couple of quick things in my conversation with Devin. First, why you must, must, must have an explanation for any credit or income challenges or any challenges really on a file. Let the underwriter know upfront because he'll share with you what happens if we don't. We talk about how he uses Instagram to grow his business. And we talk about why he focuses on getting realtors outside of his target market, so expanding outside of his target market, which I think can be a clever thing to do. Before we jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, FINMO. FINMO is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadians. It's very easy to use, has a couple of cool features. One is called Smart Docs. So as the client's filling up the app, it knows what documents to ask for. When you go to hit submit, it also pulls all of key data from the application called Smart Submission Notes. And finally, it's connected to Lender Spotlight, which means that you can go search rates, guidelines, policies. And once you select that lender, before you hit the submit button, it'll pop up on your screen. Hey, you're sending it to the lender XYZ. Don't forget about that. that, that." You're like, oh, right. Good thing to know. Whole purpose is to save you time, make your business run more efficiently, not waste lenders time. You can check them out at lendes.com slash finmo and book a free demo. And check out this conversation with Devin. Hey, Devin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Scott. It's an honour. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from.
1: Yeah, so I uh, grew up between Milton, Ontario and Mississauga. I was born in Mississauga and was there for a few years before I moved to Milton, Ontario. I have family who is all over the East Coast, so I was kind of going back between Milton and the East Coast and visiting family throughout my whole life. Where on the East Coast? yeah so new brunswick nova scotia mainly mainly new brunswick that's where majority of my family is from nobody
0: in newfoundland that's where my family's from
1: nobody in newfoundland oh, unfortunately okay
0: <laughs> okay yeah i love the east coast man the people that are so friendly
1: it's yeah a different
0: vibe for sure
1: it is feels like home it's awesome out there so yeah that's yeah, exactly it, it.
0: Yeah. so tell me how did you get into the mortgage business so when and then how
1: yeah, so about two years and two months ago, so in May of 2020, I got officially licensed. My dad is a business owner currently, which may be coming to an end soon because he's planning to retire. However, watching my dad growing up, you know, work his way up through a company and then becoming the business owner that he was, I really took to that. And it was very motivating to me that I realized pretty early on, I wanted to own a business. I had no idea what exactly I wanted to do, but it was always a thing for me that I did want to own my own business and eventually, you know, work my way up as my dad did. I went to school actually for customs and border control and policing. And as I kind of went into the customs and border services role, I was actually on the business side. So I was doing client management and stuff like that, which we weren't the guy like a,
0: opening up suitcases and no, looking for drugs. no. <laughs> I, you know, Adam Coltish is a mortgage broker who used to be border patrol. And he was one of the guys that opened suitcases and he was actually on a TV show that we okay. used to have, like, it's pretty yeah. funny. I was on the plane once, and I see, I'm like, that's freaking out. I'm going to take a picture. Like, dude, <laughs> what's up with this? And he's a very successful mortgage broker on the West Coast. But you were in the marketing. I had to explain that. I don't even know like do you even need to market the border like honestly it's like either want to cross it or you don't (laughs) no
1: great question so I was on the business side so I was actually in a glorified sales position basically and doing client management for imports and exports into Canada uh, which was kind of I guess what gave me my first perspective of what it was like to run a business even though I wasn't obviously taking care of accounting and you know all the other things admin and stuff like that I was basically running my own business I just wasn't really bent fitting from it because I was just making a salary but yeah I was doing that for a while and then basically I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life I really enjoyed finance quite a bit I was investing in stuff like that I was very very hard on myself when it came to saving and so I decided to actually do a complete U-turn and start taking the real estate license course through Humber when they first introduced the course and the course had all kinds of bugs. It was honestly horrible. There were errors all over it. And short way through, I, I realized I didn't want to be a real estate agent. Yep. Um, Thank so, yeah, Um goodness. <laughs> yeah. love you realtors. We just don't want to be you. Exactly. And I tell my referral partners that all the time, you know, I really appreciate what they do. But I do enjoy, you know, being in an office and enjoying my weekends, from time to time, not always, obviously, but so I made the shift and took my mortgage agent license with Remick. And then my accountant actually found out that I was taking the mortgage agent license course, which is Jason Armstrong.
0: And he was a mortgage broker and any, yeah, okay. That's okay. Yeah. This all fits together now. It's like clink, clink, clink. You there. got it. Yeah. yeah. It's a okay. bit of a
1: long run up, but it gets there. But yeah. So uh, when he found that out, he was like, you know, I want to speak with you and kind of just get your thoughts and see, you know, obviously gauge if I was going to be serious about you know, joining the industry. And if I was going to go full tilt or part-time or what have you, and we spoke and, you know, we kind of just hit it off because we had never talked on oh, Jason's an awesome level. dude.
0: Like he is salt yeah. of the earth kind of guy. I really like he Jason. Is. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, okay. He was your accountant. Jason happened to be an accountant at the time and a mortgage broker. And I did a yeah. podcast with Jason a while back and he actually sold that accounting business, which was the best thing he ever did because it allowed him to significantly expand his mortgage business. So that's fantastic. Okay, so you jumped into that. I have a question about border stuff. There's nothing with mortgages. But like, how come when you ship things across the border, sometimes there's duty and sometimes there's not? Like, It seems like it's arbitrary. Is that the way it is or am I crazy?
1: No, great question. So basically, every single item, whether it's a screw or a car, has a code attached to it. And there's this Big giant book, which has since I left the industry has changed. It used to be called the North America Free mm-hmm. Trade Agreement. And it's this book, it's thousands of pages. It's literally super, it thick. Looks like
0: underwriting guidelines, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you put the, the difference all between together. insured and <laughs> insurable and not, you know, conventional. Yeah, ah, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got it. Basically, all these codes are attached to items. Like I said, it could be as little as a screw or a car or clothing, whatever it is, you know the difference between a t-shirt versus a long sleeve shirt, like all those things are spelled out. And basically, every item, depending where it's coming from, will let you know exactly how much duties will be charged. Usually, it's on a percentage rate. So if it's coming from the US, because we have an agreement with the US, a lot of the time, it'll be duty free. But if it's coming from somewhere like Guatemala, the same item might have duty. So
0: oh, it, it okay, like so that. sometimes it's like you order something from a US company, but if it gets shipped from somewhere else, Correct. If it's not coming from the US, you'll yep. be hit with duty if they've said, oh, no problem, they're going to have their suppliers send it to you from some other place.
1: Correct. So whenever so this is, you- Look make- at the
0: things you learn on the podcast about mortgages. <laughs> hey. It's not like my wife does a lot of stuff. And I was like, this is just it seems like a scam. <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of stuff comes through, no duty. And then all of a sudden, bang, 50 bucks. Like, right. like what the heck? Like, you know, they're know. just randomly selecting things that were they're going to charge fees on. So, okay, yeah. that makes me feel like there's a system. <laughs> Um, I can sleep better at night now knowing this okay so back (laughs) back to mortgages so when you started the mortgage business did you go full-time part-time what was the transition like
1: yeah so I went head first I went full-time Jason was very blunt with me up front and he said you know this isn't something you can kind of do half acidly you really have to jump in if you want to be successful and so I listened to his advice honestly at that point I wasn't making much money in the customs industry but I had saved probably my yearly salary and so I was comfortable leaving my position and basically going you know full head tilt to the wind and getting in there and I'm glad I did to be honest with you,
0: right? We call it burning the boats at our brokerage, and somebody goes from part time, I'm not saying everybody should do that depends on, you know, you could do it, but not when you can, it's kind of like burning the boats. Now you're okay, I'm all in. And I have to like, I got to make this work. So in terms of that first year, so 2020 was just getting your feet under you. But 2021, what did you do in terms of volume and units, if you don't mind sharing?
1: So volume wise, I did just under 10 million, 10 million was my goal for my first full year, which was 2021. I got a little bit short of that. And I was pretty hard on myself. But then I looked at, you know, what I did in 2020, and how far I had come. And you know, the relationships I had built, and I started to ease up on myself a little bit. And then unit wise, I think I did I want to say it was maybe 16 files. Right. Well, you did um, like in the first
0: five or six months, you did like nine times more in the next year than you did in that first half of year. So, and right. then how's this year gone so far? So we're about six months into the year. How are you doing so far this year?
1: It's going well. I'm not where I wanted to be at this point, to be honest with you. I try not to blame myself, but I also, we always have to look at ourselves when we're talking about goals and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that obviously with everything going on in the industry right now, it has caused some hesitancy. And unfortunately I have seen some of you know the pre approvals and the first time buyers and stuff like that, slow down a bit. However, I'm really really trying to get my communication out there you know we signed up with jungo late last year and that's been amazing to my business so i'm on track i think hopefully to hit my goal which is 20 million i think by the end of this month i should be at around five and a half million if not a little bit higher in right. funded so i'm doing okay it's not where i want to be but i'm just You know, you're hard on yourself, but
0: and then you also have a pipeline. The thing is, what I've noticed a lot of people right now have pipelines of people that are just kind of waiting, and so they're gonna buy, it's just when, and so there's always a catch our breath, and then there's another surge, and so that's interesting. Okay, so was there any point you like, question, man, what did I get myself into? Or you know, is there any point you're like, the valley of death, where you're like, oh my gosh, I should go back to the customs or something else? I'm curious.
1: So, for me, honestly, not at all. I know that that might sound like BS, but I really didn't ever question the change. Like I said before, the industry I came from, it's an industry where you work your way up over, honestly, decades to earn what I earned last year in my first full year in commissions. You know this industry allowed me to purchase a home with my fiance which was my supreme goal of all my life I honestly didn't even think it would happen in my 20s and this is the industry that allowed that to happen right it is a pretty um, fantastic
0: industry well it is for sure yeah yeah so there was no point you okay now there's always files that you think back oh I could have done differently and there's always lessons in it so can you think of a file that it didn't go the way you'd hoped, and then what you'd do different because I think it's good for people listening to be like, it's all about pattern recognition, right? When you see stuff, then you hopefully don't make that mistake next time,
1: yeah, for sure. So, the one file that came to mind when I kind of looked at this question is one that I had, and it was honestly a single mom, she had some credit issues, unfortunately, and I wasn't nearly as capable of an underwriter as I am now and honestly I didn't do my due diligence on asking the right questions up front and really thoroughly reviewing the credit bureau and unfortunately I thought it was a clean deal or fairly clean and when those issues started to pop up with the underwriters at the lender they unfortunately pulled the file and you know it was a refinance so it wasn't a necessity to close necessarily but in her mind it was. And so looking back on this, if I had done my due diligence up front and more thoroughly, I guess, looked over. Give that. me an
0: example of something. Obviously, we're not speaking names here, but like something specifically in the credit that you missed, but that you'd catch now?
1: Yeah, so there was a bunch of missed payments. They weren't recent, but a bunch of missed payments kind of in a row. No consumer proposal, no bankruptcy or anything like that. Mm. But just basically, there was a history of her missing payments. And she had explanations for all of these things. You know, she was going through all these extreme life you know circumstances that led up to this but she had been rebuilding her credit and doing pretty well and unfortunately the reason the lender pulled the file was not necessarily because of the missed payments it was just because i wasn't upfront about it
0: you didn't um, yeah you didn't have a story right at the beginning and you need to explain correct. it all and so the, otherwise it kind of feels like ah. Uh, this is messy, so it's yeah. all about doing your due diligence. And so, if you guys are listening exactly. to this; you're absolutely right. If they're going to have a question, if you get to it before they can ask you it, they're going to be like, "Okay, check, 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 exactly. approved." Or no, this is too much work,
1: decline. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's very important that the story doesn't change. Oh, it's this. Oh no, wait a second! They're going to be like, "Okay, this whole thing sounds fishy." Yeah. You know, like as you can imagine, if you were if it was, you were lending money to somebody and they kept changing their story, well, I work and no, all it's actually this. You're like, I'm gonna lend you money. Like, forget that. So. Where's the bulk of your business come from? So you talked about like that you did almost 10 million last year. Where does that business come from?
1: So mainly realtors, to be honest with you, realtors are my bread and butter. I have a pretty solid referral network throughout all of Ontario. So, you know, in Windsor and Sudbury and the GTA, obviously Toronto, Vancouver, other provinces.
0: You actually have realtors and you're not concentrated in one area you're across. Multiple Got markets.
1: It. So I focus on the GTA, but what I found is that there's a lot of realtors out there who are kind of untapped. And, you know, I actually learned this from your course, is that everybody's scared that the realtors are already working with someone. And so my social media presence makes people feel comfortable with reaching out to me and so to be honest with you a lot of the realtors I work with actually reached out to me and said I don't have someone who I send all my leads to someone dedicated who I can trust you know can I trust you and then it turns out they're out in you know Alberta or like
0: um, wow what's your social media is it Instagram or what is it that you're finding the most traction with
1: Yeah, Instagram is definitely my go to, I would say I have a Facebook page, I recently made a TikTok. Finally, after (laughs) years of avoiding, you know, downloading that app, I've realized that it's actually really great. So TikTok is now where I'm doing a bunch of my stuff. But I would say TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, I have a YouTube channel with videos I don't upload to very often. But I really try to be out there. Social media is my biggest lead generation source. Right, right. Interesting.
0: Say. Yeah, I see you got like twenty six hundred followers. And so, with your social media, what is your posting rhythm or pattern?
1: <laughs> I wish I had one. To be honest with you, I post. Okay, well, then things- I may ask the question differently.
0: What's been the most sure. successful post or content that you've had work the best for you?
1: I would say any reels or TikToks or videos that are geared towards first time homebuyers, because I think it shows off your personality. And so for Mm -hmm. me, people can usually tell up front that I'm a younger guy. And so I think a lot of first time buyers feel a little bit or they gravitate towards me. And so all that stuff that makes them actually stop waiting and send you the message, hey, I have this question about this rebate or about this first time home buyers plan or stuff like that. That's been my most successful posts and stuff, I would say for sure.
0: Right, right. And how's your TikTok going?
1: It's going okay. It's not bad. I mean, I think I only have maybe five videos on there now. I just started it about a month ago, and I have a couple of videos that have you know a few hundred to over a thousand views. So it's going okay. But I'm going to definitely scale that up and, and grow it. One as of
0: my more one more. of my agents, Zach LaFueo, who's got a great Instagram account as well. I recommend you go check him out. I think his mortgages with Zach. He okay. took a video from Instagram that he threw up on TikTok and on Instagram, it did okay, but he did like 150,000 views on TikTok with that video and nice. generate a bunch of leads. So if you recycle some of that content, right? He got a ton of actually negative comments too. And I guess yeah, really? what the, the, basically the post was something to the effect of like, hey, if you bought a house in the last two to five years, you probably have some equity. And if you want to take out some money to buy another property, I can help you. People are like, this is why people can't buy houses. And the people just went nuts. Yeah. Like, but he ended up generating like six or seven leads from it. And that was just right away. And what I've discovered when it comes to social media is the people that are on your, you know, posts complaining are not your customers, your customers are reaching out to you. They're saying, hey, how can I, you know, and so there's a indirect correlation between those two things. But all the people arguing in the comments boosted the post and drove the downloads up, right? So if you have any content from the past, reuse it, basically.
1: It's a good tip.
0: Yeah, okay. So I should do that. Yeah, because you you've you already done it, right? You've got a pretty good Instagram thing going. So when it comes to like the mortgage business, there's two skills you need to master, sales and underwriting. Which one's been more challenging for you?
1: I would say underwriting for sure. Sales is kind of my background. I mean, my first ever on-paper job was at a shoe store. And yeah. from what were you selling? From, yeah, so I was working at a famous footwear, which I honestly don't even know how many stores are in Canada anymore. But they came from the U.S., and basically, it's just, you know, a ton of different shoes and stuff like that, you know, anything from dress shoes to sports runners and stuff. So that was interesting. It wasn't the greatest job in the world. But that was my intro into sales. From there, I went into clothing sales. So I worked, you know, throughout college at different clothing stores and stuff like that. And then, you know, going forward a bit, At my previous job where I was in the customs role, I was really basically a sales agent, you know, client management and stuff like that. So sales came a little bit easier, I would say, if not a lot easier than the underwriting did.
0: Yeah, the underwriting is a whole other beast and it takes time. And I found that it's very difficult to learn if you don't have real files to work on because 99% of people cannot retain reading lender guidelines. It's just like... And you won't notice the nuance till you have a real person. And then you'll see, oh, everything looks perfect, except there's one nuance that you're like, I missed. Like you said, with the credit stuff, you know, just all that stuff, nuance makes a difference. Uh, So you actually took our first, like, I think it was our five steps to five million or whatever. One of the the very first time when we started training rookies, because I had been something I was not doing for a long time. So for you, what was your biggest takeaway from that program?
1: So really, I guess how to have genuine phone calls was a big one. I'm not sure how well you remember, but I was adamant on being at every single game of phones call. I don't think I missed one throughout the whole course. And so you guys gave me some stuff and, you know, I think I got like a mug and an award and stuff yeah. like that, which is cool. But I was not very skilled at speaking on the phone prior to taking your course because I really didn't have phone calls, and I know that's speaking to my generation. We love to text, yeah. but I needed to learn that skill, and so I learned how to genuinely have conversations and not just be sales pitchy. And right. that yeah, that yeah. has been a huge, huge impact. So, okay,
0: how life. old are you, Devin? You don't know ask. I'm 25. Okay, so 25, and most you're right. Yeah. So, what works better, phone calls or texts, for conversion? For conversion, not what's easier. I'm just curious. What do you, <laughs> as a 25 year old Sure. Uh, what do you find works better for conversion texts or phone calls
1: phone calls 100 it's without a doubt
0: yeah even though it's a hard thing to do but i would say it's like doing squats at the gym it's the best exercise but there's never a lineup for the squat rack Correct. everybody wants the yeah. easy machine the elliptical
1: Well, even, yeah, even clients a lot of the time, especially to be honest, around my age group, they'd actually prefer to just email or text. And I very much push for phone calls because I think it solidifies that relationship. And you can tell tone over the phone, right? You can't tell tone over
0: text. You can absolutely tell tonality. and email is very difficult and it can be even misread. I'll tell you this. So here's why I think phone still is the king is that companies like Rocket Mortgage. I've talked to some folks that have worked at those companies and they got click button, push mortgage. The number of percentage people that do that is low single digits because people don't click, I want a $600,000 mortgage without talking to a person. So if you think phone skills are gone or that phone is not important, even for a company that is heralded as good at tech, heralded at customer experience, they know that phones are where the magic happens. And so- You've got to get phones. Now, one of the things that we recently did was heads up game of phones. So this is a new thing that, so you know how before we do the game of phones with the group? Well, so we just recently, a couple of my agents were like, hey, I need to get motivated to make calls. So they did the heads up game of phones. I'll explain how it works. It's freaking genius. Yeah. So what happens is, is they both put two bucks a day into a pot and the person who misses their calls or bails owes the other person. And so basically it's to see who's going to go the longest before somebody cracks. It's like who blinks first? And so they have okay. to make five calls a day. They were like 10, I'm like, don't make 10, it's too many. Five calls a day. And they started last week and they've already been generating leads from it. And it's funny what we'll do for two bucks that we yeah. won't do for the $4,000 commission is not motivating, <laughs> but the pride yeah. and ego and the $2 is like, screw that, I'm not losing to you. And competition. It's competition. It, it's competition. I it. What I see is that if you look, if you ever had like you and your fiance, if you have friends over and you're kind of chatting, you bring in a game, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, all of a sudden the energy level changes you know, the focus changes. You can play like we played spoons and silly games and people just go crazy because they just, it's like, there's nothing to this, but yet it's funny how it's extremely motivating. And so, yeah, I would encourage you to find a buddy and do that with your heads up GOP. And I guarantee awesome. you, it'll get you going. Cause then it'll have another group, they're just doing a buck a day, but same idea, but you just basically do heads up and just wait to see who flinches first. And one of this guy, Brandon, he said last year, him and his brother had one of these bets and it was on who would drink alcohol first and he we went 300 days. So he's wow. like, I'm not going to lose. <laughs> so i like, if you make there 300 you days of calls and it's only Monday to Friday, by the way, it's not weekends. So, oh, okay, gotcha. um, so just Fair. as a thought, you could do something like that might be a fun thing That's to do cool. to like, you know, that can get the competitive sure. thing going juices. We're okay, still so, doing game
1: of phones actually on our team now. So are you, you good? Know, yeah. So yeah. we can bring this up for sure. Yeah. yeah do heads time. up.
0: It's kind of fun. It creates like, you got to mix up the game sometimes. Otherwise the game can kind of get like, so I think this is a, a fun adjustment to it. All right, so let me get, ask you some rapid-fire questions. You can answer shorter answers if you like. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? In the last year,
1: I discovered I really enjoy cooking, but not really for myself, more for others, because I can be a little bit picky, but I like to use different ingredients and cook for other people.
0: That's so cool. That's cool, man. The only thing I know how to make are drinks and popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those are new things that I've learned in the last year and a half because I didn't do you do that. Uh, that comes in handy. But popcorn, not like in a bag. I'm talking about okay. the stove with there like you go. A huge pot. Like you got to <laughs> get it down. Okay, what's a movie everybody should watch at least once?
1: Pursuit of Happiness with oh, uh, Will Great Smith. Great movie.
0: Yeah, good book too. I read it It um, many years ago. What three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without?
1: So uh, Lender Spotlight is one for sure, especially for new agents who have an issue learning lender guidelines. If you don't have this, like, what are you doing? Jungo through Salesforce or CRM program. It's a bit pricier, but well worth it. And Ryan Wiley's VIP club. That was yours, of course.
0: Yeah, Ryan's like, hey, I'll buy that from you. I'm like <laughs> the guy who, anyway, yes, the VIP club is fantastic. Okay, what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Just do it. Stop complaining.
1: I could use another word, but stop complaining and just do it. Get off it's your It's like butt, Shia
0: LaBeouf. Just do it. Remember that video?
1: hundred percent. It's just like that.
0: <laughs> Knowing what you'd know today, is there anything you do different if you're starting over?
1: So I would probably set better boundaries. I know that when you're starting out, you know, you have to do some things that maybe a seasoned mortgage broker wouldn't do. However, you know, I was taking calls at 1am, you know, or uh, 6am in the morning. I was basically I'd miss dinners and stuff like that just to take a phone call. So just set better boundaries so that people respect my time more.
0: Yeah. So one of the things we talked about at the beginning was like, I was like, hey, so what's an area that you're like, get some tips on or whatever. And uh, he said saying no. And so there's a couple of thoughts on this. First, I would say it's important to create a no-go list. So make a list of types of files that you just don't want to do because A, they're not in your wheelhouse that you're... Now, when you're new, I always tell people say yes to everything, but you've already been around long enough now to know to be like, this is not a file I really want to... because. If you look at the files that take 80% of your time, it's going to be 20% of your files take 80% of your time and create 80% of your stress. And you probably knew it upfront. Like maybe not if you're brand, brand new, but you're at the stage. Now you're like, I knew this was going to be a nightmare. Here I am 100%. you know, hours yep. into this file. And yep. the client's not happy. Everybody is like, it's just, it's like falling downstairs. So that would be the first thing I'd suggest. And then when you, as soon as you see that, just be like, you know what, think about some language on this. So it's, you know, I would say something like, I made a commitment to my business, understand my client's needs. And I appreciate that you reached out to me. But unfortunately, I'm not the ideal person to help you with what you're looking for. And I want to make sure that I always do the best for my clients. And so I recommend that you either A, talk back to your bank, go to your credit union, whatever. But you just gently tell them that, like, I always start with honor, you know, thanks. Then you let them know that it's not a fit. that is because you're focused on the type of clients that you're trying to serve. And it's not a personal thing. So, because you can't serve everybody. And so I think it's important that you learn how to say no. Once you get to not a point, it's lots of yeses. And then as you start to grow, when you get to the tipping point, when you get to 20 million a year, the way to get to 50 is to say no even more. To get even more focused on the number of types of clients you want to work with. And Sylvia Ho was one of my coaching clients who did this. She was stuck at 20, 25 million for years. And it was only when she created a no-go list and started to get really focused on her ideal clients, she doubled to 50 in a year. This was even before 2021, before the, you know, so it's counterintuitive. It's like golf. You know, how you want the ball to go up, you hit down on it. You want your business to grow, narrow your focus. You'll stand out more. You know, you like first time buyers, you know, yeah. you get somebody who's a commercial mortgage, some weird stuff. It may seem like a lot of fun and potentially huge payoff. But I always felt like doing those files is like elephant hunting the elephant takes forever elephant's going to kick you in the head you're going to spend nine months on it and then it's going to die whereas i like gazelles so i can hunt every day go catch another one so just be aware of like you know you want to manage your energy because you only have a limited amount so yeah man well hey congrats on your success Devin. i'm glad that you're still doing game of phones try the heads up thing i'm telling you you'll be like just (laughs) pick a buddy and just be like let's go heads up and see who blinks first and doesn't have to be anything big because two bucks is all you need the two bucks and the ego and the pride is enough to get you going like <laughs> ding, 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 making the calls. Right. I like so. competition. So yeah, it's awesome. Okay, man. Awesome. Well, Hey, where do people find you online? Just if somebody's looking for you.
1: Yeah. So I would probably just tell people to start with my Instagram page. It's just at and mortgages. So my last name and mortgages with an S and from there, if you click the link in my bio, you can find kind of all of my other social media profiles. That's where I'm the most present and, obviously you can reach out to me anytime
0: awesome thanks Devin. good chatting with you yeah
1: you as well thanks
0: scott all right thanks again for listening to this conversation with Devin. and a couple quick things first the training program that he talked about that we put him through was the genesis for our rookie to rockstar program and the rookie to rockstar program is significantly enhanced like it is significantly better than what we had put through out there before, even though what we built, I think was good, the new program is significantly better. And if you're interested in that and you're a rookie, go check out rookie rockstar.ca. got a webinar there. We'll walk you through exactly how we help new agents succeed by building referral-based businesses. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.